everybody. Rogue Table Talk number twenty-one. That's right, isn't it? Number twenty-one. Yeah, I think that's right. That's right. Okay. We're going in. We're going in a little blind here because Jacob doesn't have the headphones. So yeah, you know, I trust. He said I trust him, but then yeah, I mean. The, I level, I, the levels look fine, was le- what we yeah. were told. Right, right. I'm sure it'll all be good. So if it sounds like whatever, something a little off. Yeah, Minnie Mouse Unex- voice. Unexpected Minnie Unexpe- Mouse. <laughs> You're right. Helium. Very white yeah, voice. Very white. Uh, well, then, now you know why. Jacob does not have his, <laughs> his headphones. Uh, which was unexpected. That is very unexpected. It's unexpected. Yeah. So that launches us into Look our, at that. our series. Things, dominoes just fall into place. <laughs> Jesus unexpected. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, a little bit what we're talk- going to talk about this weekend. Uh, and we're going to then just go wherever that wherever that takes us as we normally uh, as we normally do. Um, and so last time Jesus unexpected was he was the rule breaker. Uh, and this time it's one who really speaks of heart transformation uh, and obedience in our heart and from our heart, which uh, may or be more or less unexpected, depending on how much we think of that or how we think of obedience or how we think of of, of transformation, which sometimes I think we will tend to uh, be more surface focused, right? Yeah. Yeah. Usually, you know, one way to put it is... Um we all operate with a, some type of self-deception. Mm-hmm. So when it's a conversation about the condition of the heart, what's unexpected is it? it's going to be probably different than we think, or yeah. different than we're aware of, different than our perception, because um, there are just places we don't want to go. There are things we don't want to hear. Um, so the condition of our own heart can be unexpected as yeah, well. That can be unexpected. And then... Jesus addressing that can be unexpected. The the cure mm-hmm. for that um, all can be probably unexpected, and mm-hmm. maybe counterintuitive might be a better way right. to say that. It's right. just not the way we would normally right. think about it or right. do it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a passage that there's part of the Sermon on the Mount that seems to point to this dynamic where Jesus is saying over and over again, "You've heard it said this." But now I tell you this. Now yeah. I say to you this. And in every case, he's talking about you've heard it said, and he lists a command, like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, and then he says, but I say to you, and then the place he takes that, with he doesn't uh, gloss over or you know refute the command. He just goes more and bigger and deeper you know, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, you know, that's now you're guilty. You know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Well, that's don't commit adultery. But if you have lust in your heart, that's also sin. Uh, and the idea seems to be sin really is in our heart, first yeah. and foremost, yeah. fully and finally. Yeah, and I think about what the impact of the hearer of that would have been upon the hearer, mm-hmm. because if he says, you know, you've heard it said, don't murder, then you could easily say, well, I haven't, mm-hmm. like I haven't murdered, right, or I haven't committed adultery, right. or I haven't yeah. stolen. Um, but then he takes that to 
the equivalency of the heart. Like here's where the action of murder comes from. Yeah. It comes from, so here's the fruit mm -hmm. and then here's the root of, oh, it comes from this, this type of anger, this yes. rage. Right. You know, here's the action of stealing or adultery or mm -hmm. whatever. Here's, here's the heart behind it. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine, especially at the, from what a little bit we know about the culture at that time, uh, with the Pharisees and uh, Judaism, that would have been pretty unexpected. Yeah. That would have been a shock. To yeah, that's say, not where they were looking at all. Right. 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 The whole point, as we talked about last time, was let's create this framework of rules so that we will know whether or not we're keeping the law. And Jesus is kind of saying, on the outside, you might look like you're keeping the law, but here's what I'm saying. The law extends into your heart and you're not keeping it, basically. Yeah. You are committing uh, these sins in your heart. Uh, it doesn't give you license to that. I might as well commit them overtly, you know. Right. Uh, because that's another wrong that involves other people and so on. Um, so that's part of, you know, that seems unexpected to us and maybe a little unsettling uh, to us. And then something else he does in the Sermon on the Mount is he looks at good works that we do, you know, giving alms or praying. He's saying, don't do those. Uh, don't do those good works with these bad motives to be seen, you know, to be honored, uh, to be noticed, uh, to, you know, for that your motive in doing good work might, you know, might be a sinful motive, even though the work is good. And that yeah. might taint the whole, the whole process, which is, um, you know, that's, how, how do you get away from that? I mean, how do you escape that? How do you get around that? Yeah. Right. Well, it reminds me because those are, those are, really great the sermon on the mount is um it's very, a classic it's a yeah. very good sermon <laughs> it's a very if good we sermon. can say one of the so better about ones. jesus yeah, sermon yeah. yeah it's an a plus yeah uh but it's deep mm. it is uh it gets to the core and the and it, it addresses uh secrets and motives and that's you seem to uh, get the impression that's what jesus is after you know it reminds me even of um i think i was teaching a bible study as a college student and i was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you, you don't do things to be seen by others. And it started to dawn on me and come to a realization that, oh, maybe I'm not just teaching this Bible study because I'm a good Christian mm -hmm. and I want to teach this Bible study. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's more to it in my motives and maybe I, whatever, I want people to see me as, as spiritual or maybe I want power in this room mm -hmm. or influence in this group. And um, maybe I'm doing it to display something about myself mm -hmm. and, um, or to think of yourself a certain way. Good. Yeah. Or yeah. I need to heal my own self perception yeah, type right, thing. Right. Um, and I'm a good Christian because I know that because I teach this Bible study. Yeah. 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 And so for me, that was an, a, um, beginning of a heart knowledge, uh, of my own heart. And I still don't know it all, but of a, Oh no, I'm, there's probably mixed motives in a lot of things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's good motives there because, you know, we're in Christ and the Spirit's there and I want to see change mm -hmm. for Jesus. And yet, I'm wrapped up in the thing. Right. Right. It seems like one of the messages as Jesus talks about the heart is nothing is completely untainted that we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're never completely free of any 
mixed mode. How could we, how could we be? Um, and so that, how do I, it's not, a, it doesn't mean that therefore I'm doing a bad thing. It just means how, how, how am I aware of that? And how am I thinking about how that might, uh, you know, steer my heart further in the, in the wrong direction, or that might come out and influence uh, another person. You know, if some, if you're, you know, go back to the Bible study example, um, you know, somebody comes up with a good point you haven't thought of or whatever. I mean, do I feel good about that? Do I feel happy for the group? <laughs> Are we, you know what I'm saying? No, it's just, no. <laughs> um, and yet can I even name that? Okay. Yeah. I probably should have thought of that, but if we theologically examine what's happening in that Bible study group, well, maybe God's Holy Spirit is speaking through another person in a way that, you know, we all get all that up here, but how does it make me feel like, no, I want to be the one who has the insightful comment to make here. Uh, and I think it's almost impossible to totally rid ourselves from, I'm serving in this area. I want, I want somebody to notice me, right? Yeah. It's almost impossible not to... Uh, and to say I don't have that is probably not completely true. I think you're in a dangerous spot mm -hmm. if you if you operate with the assumption that you're doing it with all the right motives. Right. I just feel like that's a dangerous place to it's, be for you. Yeah, it's and probably almost never true. It's never it, true. And for the others, like yes. if you're whatever kindness, whatever uh, service, whatever mm -hmm. you know, encouragement, if it's if you're not thinking, well, of course, something's mixed in here. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and go forward with it under right. grace. But right. if it's just, no, I'm only doing this because I am an unconditional lover or a giver or whatever. <laughs> like, that's a dangerous place to be. I think that's what Jesus is getting yeah. at. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've talked to people like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's not okay for them to admit that, they have to, you know, like they have to think of themselves through this lens. It's not okay to admit, yeah, of course I have mixed motives. Everybody does. You know, I'm trying to keep track of them and whatever. Um, so that said, the Sermon on the Mount's pretty difficult to deal with because he seems to be saying, really, it's about your heart. Your transformation is about your heart. Uh, Christ likeness is about your heart. You know, kingdom living is about your heart. If the Sermon on the Mount is describing what it means to be in the kingdom of God, then there's a lot of heart stuff and not a lot of other stuff, right? Yeah. You know, he tells us how to pray, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not everything. Like, we're not just passively sitting around and trying to have good hearts. Right. But, it, you know, transformation, obedience, all this stuff it comes to my heart. And so... When we look at something like that, we'll use the Sermon on the Mount as an example. That's something that penetrates to the heart. When, when, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, what do people do with that? Like, what are things that we do with passages or sermons or whatever that speak to our heart in such a way that make it seem like I'm never going to get this 100% right? Yeah. You know, what, how, do we, how do we respond to that? Um, that's a, that's a good question. I, I can do a few things with that. And I think also what I hear you saying is this is probably the first part of, um, awareness of the gospel or like my need for the gospel of like, okay, if we really drill down into what's going on underneath the 
topsoil of my heart. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not pretty. Yeah. Can it's, I, can I admit it's my heart is sick? Yeah. It's, it's, it's sick. Yeah. It's, and that's a good uh, picture. It's, yeah. it's sick. I need healed. It's sick. So for me, when I go to those places, I can, you know, you have a, a list for us here. I can go to despair and I can just say, oh my gosh, it's so Shame, bad. Shame, despair. Like it's, you're right. It's yeah. the worst yeah. thing. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm No a, one has I'm a heart like right. this. Yeah. It's yeah. so dirty. And it's so, but what happens is that traps me into that cycle and it locks me into the citadel of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And when I'm there, I can't get to the gospel. I can't get to where Jesus is trying to lead us through. Cause this is, that's not the only place to stay. Right. Yeah. I do think that, and I think everyone, if, if you're, if, if you're reading the Sermon on the Mount and you don't at least flirt with that place, then you're probably, you know, glossing over part of it. Cause I do feel like the sense of, ah, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to need a lot of help. I'm going to need divine intervention you know, here, then that's, that comes from the place of, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I have no hope. Um, but I do think if we respond with a despair, dispirited, um, what we can do is then we just throw up our hands and say, well, you know, I can't do it. So it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just a bad person. Jesus is going to have to get grace for me. And so I'm just not going to read that anymore, or I'm not going to try, or I'm not going to whatever. And it's almost, it almost can be excuse-making material for us to live however we want to live. Yeah, like everyone knows you can't keep the Sermon on the Mount, dot, dot, dot. So therefore, it doesn't matter how I live, which, yeah. okay, everyone knows you can't keep the Sermon on the Mount, so I need to be transformed. I, I think for me, it does two things which are neither uh, helpful for the God. They're not really uh, gospelized, if you will. Uh, I can go the other way. I know I can't keep this, but man, I'm going to try really hard because I can't stand feeling this yeah. shame. Right. You know, either excuse of, yeah. well, nobody can really do this. Right. Like it's a great right. ethical talk. Right. Or it's not meant to be capped. Oh yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> Watch me, buddy. <laughs> Which neither are really like a, a deep understanding of what grace is about. Right. Yeah, and I think that, and if we really if we have to feel like we're keeping it, then we're sort of back to where we were with our last podcast, where we have to then make a framework of rules around it, define it downward, make it achievable. And then you're sort of, if you make some, if you make the Sermon on the Mount achievable, you've missed the whole point of it. Because really the whole point, part of the whole point is it isn't achievable. Right. And you need to be changed, you need deeply changed, redeemed, transformed. You need to become a new person. The dead needs to come to life. Uh, and it, so it should lead me to the gospel. So it could lead me either to despair or it could lead me to rules or it could lead me to effort uh, instead of leading me to the, to the gospel. Oh, my goodness. And, and isn't that another indication of how sick and and broken the human heart is not sick like oh that's sick disgusting but sick mm-hmm. like it's impaired right we'll hear the news and then we'll try six different things yeah to manage it ourselves right. this is really the human condition is a self-salvation project yeah to try to yeah. figure this out yeah. on my own which makes me wonder i mean what does what does jesus think of that what does god think of that since he knows our hearts fully and completely, we're hiding nothing from him. And we're going to say, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, 
I'm going to try to do this or yeah. uh, whatever. It, I'm sure that must sound, it, you know, it must sound, I don't know how it sounds to him, but it sounds crazy to me yeah. to say it. Uh, but then there's this sense of, you know, grace is big enough that, he, and he knows how far away I am from being this person he calls me to be. And he loves my actual heart, yeah. like the real heart yeah. that I'm running from or ashamed of. He actually loves that heart enough to, to redeem it. And that's the gospel. And it's sort of, I don't know, that it, it, that's an uncomfortable feeling that um, it feels like, uh, I don't know, I should do better. Yeah. I should be better. I mean, I shouldn't have to make Jesus love this crappy heart I got, you know, I should, and I should somehow have a better heart for him to love. No, something. that's really good. I was listening to a, 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 a talk the other day and it was actually on Sabbath and the guy made a really good point that I hadn't heard before. And he said, do you know that on the sixth day, God made Adam and Eve and the very, so then the seventh day, basically their first day, full day of existence was rest. Mm. And it's a picture of the gospel. Like mm -hmm. the first thing that they are invited to do is just rest themselves in God's presence. Mm -hmm. And how uh, often when we don't understand what grace is, we will say, well, no, I have to work really hard and then I'll rest. Right. I have to work really hard. And right. th that makes me deserveable of grace, mm -hmm. of unconditional love. So I have to, there's this condition, since we're all about the heart right now, the condition to... Uh, put myself together when uh, I don't feel like I'm worthy or whatever it mm -hmm. is and to present something to God. Mm -hmm. And then if I feel good about myself, I've performed well, I feel good and we can have you know good prayer time or whatever it is. But if I've performed poorly, you see, it's so, it's such a uh, slippery slope of performance. Yeah. No, it's a trap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because even, what does that even mean? I performed well. Um, you know, we're, you know that my righteousness is, is, you know, filthy rags. I sort of know as a fact somewhere in my head, but I want to feel like, well, it's not true. Like, this is actually not bad. They're not that dirty. Right. Yeah, it's not as bad as... <laughs> not as bad as somebody else's or whatever. Not as bad as it was yesterday. Um, when the whole the whole thing is, um, it, you know, I, I think I heard this, uh, this picture CS Lewis talks about, you know, this, that morality and ethical improvement and becoming good, a better person is, is, you know, it's foundational to life, but it's not what life is about. And it's, he said, it's like trying to climb a mountain, um, you know, that we will, you know, we'll perish on the way up probably, uh, you know, lack of air and cold, uh, and the climbing of the mountain in his picture isn't even the point. It's, we are to receive wings so we can fly over the mountains. Yeah. And if we realize what we really, what he really wants to do, then the idea of us achieving it will seem ridiculous. Right. Even though climbing the mountain is impossible for me, I can imagine myself doing it, but sprouting wings and flying. Okay. Right. I can't do that. Right. And I think that's sort of what, I think that's sort of a picture in the Sermon on the Mount is you, okay, you can avoid killing somebody else, uh, but never having angry 
or bitter thoughts about somebody. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, and and to me, it, right, that's that's why the Sermon on the Mount is so crucial to understanding how grace intersects with the heart. It is helping us to get to a place where we realize we need something that we can't give ourselves. Yeah. It's helping us to get to a place where the I am I am in bed. I'm the invalid in bed mm-hmm. and it I'm so sick and I'm so ill. I cannot get up. It's not about get up and walk. It right. is I need somebody to pick me up. Right. I need someone. I need a strong person to come over and bend down and and pick me that's up right. completely. That's right. what grace is. And to me that's the sermon on the mount like can it get me to that place to not fall going in love to shame with grace, right to, yeah. right to fall in love with grace it's the news is actually overwhelmingly worse than i could ever yeah. imagine right and That's grace right. is com- is exponentially bigger yeah. and now deeper. i see grace as it really is yes yeah yeah so i think one of the things a passage that um i think it's in nearby the luke's version of of the sermon on the mount uh, matthew version is the one we nor- we often look at um but it sort of, to me, speaks to this notion that we can, we can achieve it, that we can do good things, that we can obey without a heart transformation. It's, it's Luke 6, 43 through 45. He says, uh, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, And to me, it's this notion of without a heart transformation, um, all I can do is I can't make figs because I'm not that kind. I got to change what kind of tree I am, and I Mm. can't change what kind of tree I am. Mm. I got to, you know, I've got to be changed so that I can bring forth the fruit. It's similar to that. That, that picture we, we talked about last time where, you know, I can't, if I'm grass, I can't make myself wheat. Right. I can mow the grass, I can manicure it, I can fertilize it, mm-hmm. I can make a pretty grass. But if, I'm, if I need to be wheat, then now something else got to happen. I got to mm-hmm. be plowed up and replanted. Here I have to be transformed. And this sort of notion that I can sort of get there on my own effort um, is is sort of, it's, you know, he's, he says it a million different ways that we just can't try harder. If you're grass, you just can't try harder to make wheat. If you're um, a thorn bush, you just can't try harder to make figs. It yeah. just doesn't work. Right. I need to change. And this is at a level that I can't change. It, yeah. it, it's combining this with the Sermon on the Mount phrase of, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right. Okay, so take Jesus at his words and go into your heart and try to purify it. Yeah. Like what, right. what does that mean? Like right. try to do it yourself, like right. clean it up. That's right. Never have an impure thought yeah. again. Never have a mixed motive. Yeah. Never think violently or right. withholding. We or can't, we bitter. don't even know what it is. Don't even, we know, don't know, even what know what it is. is. The point is, oh, once you exhaust yourself on trying to clean, clean that thing up, yeah. then you're like, oh, I need a transplant, right. open heart surgery. Right. Whatever it is, right. I need a heart transplant. Yeah, and so another way to look at that is it's actually a promise that Jesus is saying, I'm going to make your heart pure and you'll see God. Yeah. You know, you're not, blessed are those whose hearts are pure and the only way their hearts are pure is because they've uh, been washed yeah. clean by the blood of Jesus and they've been, uh, you know, God's spirit is dwelling in them and their hearts are purified and in that process they see God we can immediately go, I got to get my heart pure. 
and yeah, we don't even, we can't even begin to, uh, to know what that's like. So one of the things I think, so what, how do I judge my, how do I know my, how do I judge my heart? Um, uh, Jeremiah 17, nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. And here we are, um, speaking of our heart and, um, but I'm, my heart's going to f- deceive me. It's going to be very, it's very easy to misdiagnose my heart, right? One way or the other, that I'm either worse than I think I am in some way that's irredeemable or shameful, or no, I'm actually, you know, I look back a couple of years ago and my, I'm way better or whatever, whatever we say, whatever we say to ourselves. Um, and so first of all, how do you find that in your life? I mean, what do you, how does your heart deceive you? Mm-hmm. And then what do we do about that? Yeah. Um, I think f- for me, there's probably more categories here around different types of heart or different places of our hearts. Um, but I think there is the calloused heart and then the wounded heart mm-hmm. and the way I tend to think about, uh, there's a, like I said, probably more categories. Uh, but the calloused heart, uh, probably needs to sit more with the Sermon on the Mount and with whatever the depths of that it's inviting you to because... So it's able to not see. It's really. a, Right. It's, uh, I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Thank you. But it's a, it's a thin layer of ice. It's a veneer of what's really going on. But they're pretty certain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a thick, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, one foot thick of ice underneath. But uh, so... Uh, but then there's the wounded heart, like very sensitive to, you know, the, the scriptures are sensitive to any type of uh, warning or challenge uh, and they hear it probably more amplified than they should. Uh, so for me, I tend to think of what type of listener are you? Do you, do you need uh, Jesus to hear the challenge of Jesus of, Hey, like it's worse than you think. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're taking Advil for cancer, mm-hmm. and that's what you think the diagnosis mm-hmm. and the prescription is. Right. Is oh, it's like a headache. I need some Advil. No, it's stage mm-hmm. four, mm-hmm. and you need some serious help. Right. Um, when for me, a little bit more of the wounded, sensitive heart. It is like you said this earlier, and I think it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Can I trust that Jesus loves me in the middle of all my sinfulness? Yeah. Like not in, not in despite of it, not despite of it, but in spite, like all of me, the good and the mm-hmm. bad, the mixed motives, the, I can be kind one minute and cruel the next. I can be loving one minute and then not want to love mm-hmm. the next. Can I trust that Jesus loves all of me yeah. in that place? Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's hard for us. Uh, I do think that we are not, um, well, not honest with ourselves. We're not, um, we're not safe sometimes to judge ourselves. Um, we're not, um, uh, clear on, you know, who we really are, who we really should be. And I think that stuff all gets all messy and we don't really like, uh, the psalmist says, search me and know my heart test me, know my anxious thoughts. And I, what does that look like? Because I don't think, I don't think we do that very much or very often. And because of that, 
then my heart can deceive me and I can get off track and I can call disobedience when it's not and I can call it transformation when it's surface and all that other stuff. So like, how do I examine my heart? What does that look like? What do you do to examine it? Um, what keeps me in that place? Yeah, and I think there can be no level of transformation without a level of self-awareness, and there can be no level of self-awareness without some built-in mechanism of self-reflection. Um, I think you have to pause, and like Psalm 139 says, invite mm -hmm. God to take me on an inward journey, mm -hmm and expose what's going on down there mm -hmm. and help me see mm -hmm. um, and own that and take responsibility for it uh, before God. And then I would say this, like we still keep moving forward. Um, we still keep going forward in faithfulness. We don't, we don't retreat and say, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go clean up my heart. For a year. My heart. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm not going right. to do anything. Right. We say I'm covered in grace. God, you know my heart, mm -hmm. I know it. Purify it as I continue mm -hmm. to serve you, as I continue to be obedient. Mm -hmm. Shape me into faithfulness. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little out loud with that. You know what, guys, I'm not always here for the right reasons. Um, just mm -hmm. want to name that as we mm -hmm. go forward. You know, just being a little bit more open with our own fallen heart. Uh, but we go forward with that. Yeah. We go forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's an interesting, like, there. there's the sense of, how do we continue to do this? Because I think I need to do this continually, like in my, whatever my spiritual rhythms or habits or routines are, is there some place for self-reflection, self-evaluation? Like, how am I doing here? Like what's going on in my heart? Um, I think without some sort of reg, semi-regular, periodic, uh, asking this question or making this request of God to search me and know me and show me where I'm going wrong, where I'm not seeing it. Then I, I think, I think we almost can't really like we're, we're sort of going to be lost. And I think one of the reasons I don't do that is I'm not sure I really, I'm not sure I really always want to know the answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I think, can I trust, uh, can I trust God to answer that question graciously? Because that, as I've reflected on um, what what sometimes happens when I, oh, all right, that's that's there. I'm gonna have to think about this. I gotta deal with that's now some piece of truth I didn't have before. Um, and what, so that I've had that happen. And then sometimes I've reflected like, well, this this is something I've had in my heart, maybe my whole life. And, um, you know, why didn't I discover this before? Why didn't Jesus reveal it before? Maybe it's just, I wasn't ready. Like he's uh, graciously holding on to it. I was just going to say, we probably weren't ready. Yeah. yeah. He's gracious. Like I can, I can ask, I can say, search me and know my heart and show me and have faith that he's not going to drop you know, 27 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica of my, of my, you know, flaws and of my heart on my head all at once. Glad you asked. Here's the current list. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he wants 
us to be transformed. And so that's mm. going to be this process. And so it's never something that it's never a box I can check. It's never a place I arrive. It's always the sense of dependence and need and purification, transformation, redemption, movement process, growth. It's never a place where I get to full flowered maturity. Then I don't have to, to ask this question anymore, yeah. which I think we all, if we've been in the faith a while, we realize that, but we're sort of like, do I realize that he already knows all of this stuff way more than I do? And he's going to graciously reveal it to me as I seek to make progress, right? Or, and, or if he reveals something to me and I just don't do anything with it, maybe that's why I get stuck at that place yeah. in my spiritual transformation. But I think, I think sometimes just a lack of trust. Can I trust that he will be gracious in revealing my sin to me. That's what to me is as truly unexpected about Jesus um, as the embodiment of God and grace. So the conversations I would have internally about my own shortcomings or sin or whatever, or that I would assume God might have with me, yeah. like you said, he must be so, you know, search my heart. I don't, he's going to drop the, but it doesn't, he doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and anytime you see, the narratives, Old Testament, New Testament, it's like Adam and Eve. The first question is not, why did you do this? Mm -hmm. And here's the 10 things you did wrong and look right. what it's going to cost me. Right. Um, like an impatient father, right. I can relate to like right. those conversations. It's where are you? Mm -hmm. I'm interested in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Mm. And so he knows how to dose out um, the hard conversation. And he, and like you said, I'm, I'm becoming aware right now and recently of um, things in my life that if I, if I start to trace them back, I thought, oh my gosh, no, those things in my life, they've been there since I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, mm -hmm. but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't aware of it. Mm -hmm. And and they were kind of kept under wraps until I could hold it more mm -hmm. and be like, oh no, that's a pretty deep yeah. character flaw yeah. <laughs> that's been around There might've been five things that you really needed to deal with or God needed to deal with you on before you could be right. to this point. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously... That wasn't the last one, right? right? I and mean, that's the thing, the realization that I've got a lot yeah. more of these probably, yeah. uh, and they're going to come out in different ways. Uh, and can I, there's a sense at which, oh, it almost feels like, am I, you know, is it too lax? Is it too, can I just trust Jesus in this process? But then it feels like oh, I need to be doing more. I need to be more on top of it, right? I need to. You know, I don't want to live with sin in my heart, which is, of course, is I don't want to live with sin in my heart, except I don't know that I have a choice. You don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, you don't choice. have a choice. It doesn't really matter where you are theologically. You don't have a choice. <laughs> and so it, it, either I admit that and then grace drives me deeper to him and deeper to transformation, or I'm doing something else with it to manage it, yeah. to fool myself, to fool you. And that's why I feel like, this search me and know me and show me what's wrong in my heart kind of prayer feels like super, can feel like super risky. Like I want to think I don't have a bunch of stuff wrong in my heart. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to mess with it or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what Jesus wants most is, you know, we, to obey is better than sacri sacrifice to mm -hmm. um, a desire, you know, mercy 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is this movement of the heart. What does God want? He wants me to be humble and just and to love. And uh, what I want is some measurable th- list of actions and ministries and something that I can point to as yeah. my, my righteousness. I want people to see me pray and how I'm not murdering. <laughs> right? And right. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> and then Jesus says, right, 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 right. But trace that down. Yes. Yeah, get to yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's more mm-hmm. than that. It's bigger than that. It's deeper than that. So, um, and so that's, I think, for me, the message of I can trust my heart to Jesus, which is sort of an ironic formulation because we you know one of the formulations of salvation is we give our hearts to jesus where we invite jesus into our hearts uh but then the sense we have to do that all the time we have to keep and you know search me find me show me transform my heart show me more about my heart change my heart to be more like yours uh and uh, so that's i guess one of the messages of that, you know, we can trust our hearts to Jesus. Yeah. It sounds like an incredibly basic thing to say <laughs> to believers. <laughs> but but an ongoing thing to say, yeah. because there, there is a bit of um, interesting theology. Uh, maybe it's just a misemphasis of like, oh, no, I've been given a new heart now, mm-hmm. which is true, but that doesn't mean that it's purely clean. Yeah. I've been given a... Right new heart in Jesus and I'm alive to him, uh, in ways that I wasn't. And, and yet I'm not an independent person. Right. Right. I need to go back into my heart to realize, oh no, there's still a lot of things to clean up. Right. There's a lot, maybe that's the new heart is more courage, awareness, repentance, like, oh no, humility, dependency. Yeah. Like the new heart is like, oh, it's pretty bad down there. Yeah. And I can give myself to Jesus and trust him to, yeah change me right and he can begin to transform it right. since he's here so yeah i think it's a genuinely different heart but it's not it's far from completely different and i do think that's you know we can end with the hope that one day the process will come to an end that we will be you know one of the things that will make heaven heaven is we won't our heart won't be de- you know deceitful and desperately wicked and dark and fool us and all those things but it will be Uh, we will be cured in our hearts fully and finally. And so with that, a message of hope. uh, Trust your heart to Him. uh, And don't be afraid to call Him in to to search out the deeper places of your heart and show you what's there so He can flood it with grace. With that, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.